2: Music, Horror, Art, Politics, Bad Welcome to Society. You want to see something really scary, you bet. Music, horror, horror. art, politics, and overall badass. Welcome to Kettle Whistle Radio for real on Society 13 Networks.
0: Another edition of Wax Teeth, where myself and author, our author, the wonderful Lydia Peever, will be revisiting old favorites uh, that have either disappeared or, God forbid, get rebooted. Um, tonight we got a good one, and she'll be calling in shortly. Here we got music from um, Encephalon and is one of her picks and Cephalon look them up excellent music and at the end of the show definitely stick around for my buddy Nathan Kepner's band Shrouded in Neglect we got a new one from them uh, Mushroom Doom hit them up Shrouded in Neglect S S-I-N actually they go by that as well um, you can get them on Facebook but I will let you I'll let them explain Mushroom Doom to you but that'll be at the end of the show and, uh, let's see, announcements. Uh, yeah, okay, so Indianapolis, uh, the end of June, last weekend in June. I will be in Indianapolis for the Days of the Dead convention, which is amazing. I love it. Fantastic. I'll be there with the Burning Bulb guys. Um, and we'll be sitting with uh, the movie crew from Billy Timber, the cannibalism movie coming out very soon. That Burning Bulb is behind uh, the novelization of... And a few of them, a few of us, will be showing up in the movie as well. And that would be including Gary Vincent himself. Check it out at www.burningbowlpublishing.com. All kinds of good stuff there. Um, And he even added on the calendar, I have a book signing coming up. If you're in the Pittsburgh area, it'll be at the Tiki Lounge on Carson Street, Southside. This is July 15th. It is a Wednesday night. 8 to 10, and that is because my friend Todd Porter, Todd of the Cheats, Todd Cheat, will be DJing. He DJs late nights, usually there, but he's going to come in early for me, 8 to 10, for the book signing, and he'll be wielding great music. And that's, that's what he does. When he's not playing it, he's DJing it. So that is July 15th at the Tiki Lounge in Pittsburgh. Hope to see some of you there. I really, really do. It would be nice. I will have my book, Dwelling in the Dark, there among other items. But uh until then, uh here's Wax Teeth and uh thanks for listening. Really. Appreciate it. Hit me up at Fairly Dark on Twitter or on the Facebooks. It's just me, David Jay. Kids, we're back with one of my favorite segments to do, which is Wax Teeth. I shouldn't say segment, actually, because it's an actual show, an episode. We're going to do once a month. And, of course, I've got Lydia with me here. Lydia, are you here? Hello. Name? There she is. Yes,
1: again. I'm here. Yeah.
0: <laughs> um, you know, what name do we introduce you by? Because you're going by a few different pen names now, or what? <laughs> well,
1: just... I'm still just Lydia. Mm-hmm. I like share, you know, just one name. Uh, uh, really? I've just been known by typical Lydia so mm-hmm. long because Spooky Chick was the crappiest internet name ever.
0: Okay,
1: and yeah.
0: Uh, so just
1: just Lydia. I'm fine with that.
0: And then I never will be. So it is tiresome. I'll hide. It's tiresome, yeah. and it's killed things we love, like movies, music, and uh, just people being able to download something kills the quality of what we want to watch. You know, just or listen to, for that matter.
1: It's true, and I'm constantly policing my various social networking feeds so that I'm not inundated by shit I don't need to know and shit I don't want to know or stuff that's being talked to death. So
0: Yeah, and there's yeah. a whole lot of that. But that's why we do this here. And uh, we went to an old favorite uh, from 1982. Well, that's when it came out. It was made in 81. The Entity. Yeah, when was the first time you saw it? Oh, I saw it when I, I was about twelve, which would have been about eighty-two, um, and I, you know what? It had to have been probably thirteen or fourteen because it, it was on TV. It might have been HBO, so I saw it after it was actually in the theater. If it, yeah, I, I know it ran in the theater, um, but I caught it young enough to be scared to death of it, um, to the point where I got obsessed with it. <laughs> And I, I, you know what, I should, I should mention this right away before I forget. Right here is the novelization. You can hear, hear that. That's, that's the book by Frank DeFalletta. <laughs> yes, an actual book, kiddies. And, um, yeah, he wrote this book and it is, it's unbelievable. It's, it's the scariest thing I've ever read. It truly is. And he also wrote the screenplay, which is nice.
1: Yeah, no, and that's, that's, it shouldn't be such a rare Thing. I mean, a writer can write. Why are you getting another writer to write a writer's writing? I don't understand. But yeah, I'm really glad that he did because the book was terrifying. I reread the book. I'd seen the film when I was way too young.
0: Yeah. But I read the book when I was probably about 15 or 16. Okay, that's. I read the book. Not. I don't know. Yeah, that sounds about right. That sounds about right. Terrifying. I mean, really, the book is so scary. It's hard to top it. You could learn a lot from it, but wow.
1: It's scary because it's true. You know, like, Mm. the way Amityville, the quote-unquote truth of Amityville is really getting uh run through the ringer lately especially with the existing son and the other son is still not talking about it but the existing son doing a lot of talking about it Mm -hmm. which is good so it brings like the actual haunting was very scary for him and what he went through but the story that we had in our minds from the jay Anson novel Mm
0: -hmm. was
1: a lot like it was terrifying it was like hell house
0: yes Yes. Yeah. So did you see that documentary, uh, Miamiville, with the kid? That, I mean, he apparently had a lot of drug issues and other issues. Is that the one you're talking yeah. about? Yeah. Yeah. That was something else. I mean, he what a weird... I don't know. I mean, you don't know what to believe there, uh, the way he talks. He, he was not focused, um, obviously. Um, did you believe everything he was saying?
1: I believe he believed everything he was saying. Right. And yeah, I believe a lot of what he was saying. And I, I believe that they were... Manipulated as a family. Yeah. And it takes a long time when you're brainwashed as a child to really come to grips with that. So,
0: yeah. And then you go with the DeFeo story, which happened prior to them, where he just murdered the entire family. And they show that guy in jail. He just comes across as somebody with no credibility. Um, strung out on acid and every drug imaginable. If he heard voices, that's very possible too. But he was, he was all over the place recanting things he said. And uh, you, you, did you watch the DeFeo interviews?
1: Yeah, and like drug-induced psychosis is a fantastically powerful thing, and it's far more powerful than than people would even make out. So if he has underlying uh, mental health issues, and then Mm -hmm. coupling that with a drug-induced psychosis, which is what it appears that he was under the influence of, and it continues to manifest to this day – yeah, he was not well, and that was a terrible, heinous crime. And I can see putting two and two together. Mm-hmm. You know, they were a family laying in the same beds. Children were slaughtered in. It was a horrible crime, and all the, the strange things about the crimes, um, where no one could hear the gunshots and just the way the bodies were found. Like, it is almost a supernatural thing to mm-hmm. begin with. And then pile yeah. the Lutz family on top of that. Yes. Yeah, but we're not talking about. I know, but you <laughs> always
0: go to off topic. Amityville, but yeah, wax teeth. Now that what we do here, we go back, we revisit stuff that were lost in the fire or should be brought back up. And I'm not talking about a remake of the entity, which they're doing. I'm talking about the actual one. And the entity is a different yeah. story than Amityville altogether. This is I, Barbara Hershey, who, who played uh, Carla uh, Moran, uh, just amazing actress, and the way she portrayed—I mean, she was just victimized beyond uh, anybody's scope of being a victim.
1: Yeah, she really, really was. Um, she did some things though that I think are really, really important as far as like you know protecting her children right away. Yeah. Like after the first attack, when things start rattling, she's scooping up her kids and getting the hell out of that house yes. immediately. Yes, um, and and luckily, this is where we have like the real true story comes before the fiction right right and then she did things like she told her friends what was going on Mm -hmm. and and the first time she's explaining it to people she was like i was attacked i was raped i couldn't see him she wasn't you know she didn't she kind of pussyfooted around with her boyfriend later on but she didn't pussyfoot around when it came to her friends Mm -hmm. and her kids that were in the house they knew what was going on her older son especially and her doctor yep and she was very clear about this, especially with the parapsychologist, about what was going on oh, yeah, <laughs> and that's something you should do if you're being raped or being haunted, like either or or both, yeah, she really immediately jumped on her support network
0: yes yeah totally i agree she went to five different directions where we we watch these movies now where they know they don't even pick up the phone and call the cops and we have cell phones it's like you know and then nothing is believable you take us completely out of it when you're not trying to do something to help yourself or the people around you it just i I can't stand that and there's too much of it somehow back then they knew what they were doing on top of everything else you see in this film and it comes down to again frankie Folletta doing the screenplay for his own book i think Um, They didn't change too much at all. Do you remember? Was there anything different from the book that you can remember?
1: Not really. And I haven't read the book in a long time. And I went through my bookshelf because I thought I might have had it, but Mm -hmm. I can't find it. And I wanted to revisit it for that exact reason. But as far as I can remember, I don't think so. Like he had a really close relationship with the original woman, um, yeah. Doris Byther. Right. And he worked really closely with the parapsychologist. So like he did his research like a journalist should. Mm-hmm. So that's why I think that the book is so gripping and the book is so well told and has such a great basis and a real factual story that of course it translated to the screen just so well.
0: Yeah, there, there was actually, a, I don't know if it was a documentary, but you saw the original woman interviewed and, I mean, she had, I mean, she, you know, she had gray hair, it was really weird, it was like up in a bee, beehive hairdo and she had been, you could tell just how disturbed she was for 40 years, I don't know how long this thing went on for, for her, maybe 20 to 30 years, but it was still happening, right, when it was all said and done, supposedly it, she was still going through it.
1: Yeah, the end of the film, um the famous ending of the film ho, ho, ho. where the entity welcomes her home.
0: It's like man, cunt,
1: yeah, <laughs> welcome home
0: cunt. Unbelievable. Uh, like.
1: That that was basically her decision and like sure there's a, a large portion like the third act is all fiction, but mm-hmm. uh that ending where she resolves to like, you know what? Nothing nothing can help. It's not going to stop. I'll just give my body over to it, not my mind or my spirit, but I will give my body over to it. Um, and like they said at the end of the film that these attacks mm-hmm. decreased in severity, but they still continued. I haven't seen this interview though with her. I want to see this. There, no.
0: I know I caught it. God, it's been years. I can't get the image out of my head. And, and she was just very soft spoken. Somebody that had been beaten down, you know, more than half her life, basically it all in that case, it was her whole life. But, um, yeah, very just horrible. I mean, I if she's just mentally ill, it showed in that, this documentary. I mean, she still talked clearly, but just beaten down. And I don't know if she she was in a home. I think she was. I think she's finally under surveillance like 24-7. I could be wrong. I'd love to hear different, I'd love, you know, if somebody out there knows. But, yeah, I caught it, I want to say, within the 10, past 10, 15 years. Yeah, I don't know what it was on. I have no idea. It, maybe look it up and see. You'll probably find it.
1: Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna look pretty hard now. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, of course. Um, unless you know they had to take it down, it's it's still up there. Uh, it, there. There were scenes too. Now, I mean, they knew how to shoot things back then. Things we miss now. But when she first runs out of the house and she doesn't have her keys and she has to go back in, what's in the foreground? The keys are in the foreground, and she's running through the back in, in the background in the house, searching maniacally. Meanwhile, the the audience can see it. <laughs> and it's just like that's real fear just like oh please just look over the ledge and she's you know and the thing is still in there with her you know
1: yeah the tension when she first returns to the house later mm-hmm. some of the slow long shots where the camera's following her around the house mm-hmm. and you can't as she she can see past the corner where it's kind of the opposite trick where you can see what she's looking for now she's looking into doorways and yeah. checking the house out but that you as the author audience are like held back from your camera angle oh yeah this even some of the really slow pans towards the clock while she's sleeping and waiting for it to get late uh really really effective tension building
0: unbelievable yeah yeah exactly i mean that's just uh yeah they just knew how to shoot it and you know you throw on top of that and i forgot about this stan winston did a lot of the special effects i completely forgot he had something to do with that um and the effects, you know what? They weren't over the top. They were just perfect for what was supposed to happen. You already know what they're going to do with the remake. You already know this Poltergeist remake is going to be ridiculous, Um and they're going to ruin everything. I don't know. Any thoughts on that? I'm not even going to bother with that one.
1: On the Poltergeist or the Entity remake? Uh, probably well Both. Well, the Poltergeist, no, I'm not, I was never a big Poltergeist fan, even, okay. like, I watched it several times as a kid, but I just didn't, it was one of those things I watched because I'm like, wow, everyone really likes this. and is real scared by it. I don't think it's scary. And I don't really okay. like it. Um, I was more of a Phantasm fan. Oh, definitely. As a kid.
0: Oh, please. Oh, yeah. So,
1: so that's me. I don't know, but I'll, like, um, I'll probably end up watching it if it's like on Netflix <laughs> after. but yeah. the Entity remake, I will, definitely yeah watch and it's i i i'd followed this whole pitch from years ago hideo nakata who has did the ring movies and dark oh, water yeah.
0: oh excellent and yeah. one of the
1: he did one of the death notes so i'm a big anime fan so oh, me, know, too. me too yeah he was on task to remake this and i was like oh, you know boy. fingers crossed that's pretty fucking cool and then it just went away so i don't know what happened because I don't follow news that closely.
0: Yeah, I know. I lose interest real quick.
1: (laughs) I actually checked the upcoming horror movies dot com. I would check the entity, their entry for the entity like Mm -hmm. three times a year just in case, you know, I was that, you know, not worried that it's going to get remade. But I was that interested. And then I I had checked it a few days before the news broke that James wanted done a script or was involved with the script. And I was like, oh, fuck.
0: (laughs) Oh man! No, I remember we were talking about what's what 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 is the, the next waxed teeth episode going to be about, and then you, just, you immediately said entity, and you've been looking forward to it ever since. So yeah, I didn't yeah. realize you were that big a fan of it.
1: Uh
0: yeah. Cool. Uh, yeah, <laughs> Nothing wrong
1: I with am. that. I, I I followed it that closely. Yeah, it was one of the first scary movies I ever saw, and that's probably why. And I've rewatched it like.
0: I don't know, probably 10 times. <laughs> it's a real scary movie, and it holds up. And, I, and I, This is funny. I went through it, uh, living hell trying to find a copy of it. I wanted to buy it, and I searched high and low uh used stores, uh even Best Buy, mainstream stores, and every time I called somebody, they would say the same thing, young or old. They'd be like, oh, that's a real good one, and then they couldn't <laughs> find it. <laughs> that sucked. <laughs> but yeah, I eventually <laughs> did find it, unfortunately. A Blu-ray, though. <laughs> Uh, let's see here now. Yeah,
1: I, I, when I wanted a new copy, I just walked into HMV and they had one. See, Oof,
0: that's like, nice. I miss that. Yeah. I miss being able to walk into a store and buying stuff like that. I hate the downloading crap, but anyway, uh, let, let's go back to this. Um, her son, uh, Bill, okay. Um, did you notice at one point what book he was reading? <laughs> no. Yeah, he's reading *Salem's Lot*.
1: <laughs> oh, was he
0: cool? Yes, yes. That's,
1: I love, I love it when movies do that. Like, uh what movie is it where the kids wearing a uh, Stephen King rules T-shirt? Oh my god, no, I don't know. Uh, was it *Monster Squad* or something? I can't remember. Oh, but it's it could just be. like little Stephen King things or little posters on the wall. Yeah, actually, and- *The Hills Have Eyes* posters on the wall in a lot of films.
0: True, that's yeah, that shows up a lot. You are correct. Oh my god. But yeah, I love, I just love the nostalgia. Like when, you know, Bill, this is the, the son, he's what, maybe 17 years old, 16, he's 16 years old and he's just Mm -hmm. fixing his car and, uh, Elton John's, uh, Saturday Night's Alright for Fighting is playing, you know, like it just captures the moment of that time when it, when it's happening.
1: Yeah, it's about the exact same time I was watching it too. I mean, it came out fairly quickly and it hit pretty large and I guess home video became popular. Yes around that time as well so like everyone had seen it
0: everybody i I agree yeah yeah and then just kind of uh, for the past 20 years i think it kind of went under the radar except for hollywood they knew that they could make some money off of it again but um i I thought her friend cindy she seemed familiar i didn't catch catch the actress's name but cindy and her her asshole husband george (laughs) who just wanted her out of the house when she was looking for help she goes to her best friend and her best friend stuck by her and believed her i like that
1: I love how her best friend believed her, but then when she saw it happen, she was like, "I absolutely believe you." And what we're going to do is go to the store, and we're going to get books on this. And we're going to research, and we're going to fight this,
2: mm.
1: which is what best friends are supposed to do, I guess. Yeah. yeah I sort of recognize the actress too. I can't think can't of her name, her. but when I was like doing some prep, I would saw a picture of her in sort of like a like it was probably like twenty years before she was in this film, and she was like this young hot cheesecake kind of model. <laughs> like a Vargas girl.
0: <laughs> so I don't know what she did before. I wonder if yeah, she's probably just a bit part in some slasher or something that I would rec- recognize. Um, but, yeah, she was really good, and George was just your typical um, asshole husband, and he immediately saw it happen, then had to turn it off because he couldn't accept it, which we also saw on the end of the film where there was the, I love the battle that goes on between um, contemporary psychology and n- now with new age parapsychology, and there's just the battle of wits, And the one guy is faced with the reality of what's happening here, but he just refused to believe it.
1: Yeah, and like when they did their sort of diagnostic differential, when she met that large team of psychiatrists before Mm -hmm. the actual battle where they got almost in each other's faces, um, them still trying to, you know... Even after she left the room, they're like, yep, she's masturbating. That's what's happening. Oh, man. It's all Those, in her head.
0: Yeah, the room full of smoky doctors. That pissed me off. So They're all, they're all smoking, which, yeah, it did happen in the 70s. Just a bunch of hypocrites. But they just denied any aspect that there was something. And that, that guy, Dr. Snyderman, was on her side at that point saying, there's, there's something else going on here. And they all just, yeah, they blamed masturbation. <laughs> Come on.
1: Yeah, and I think that, like, he did think there was something larger going on, but I think, in a a way, he was sort of hoping, you know, this can't be something supernatural, there is something else going on, but it must be something of a larger scope in the psychiatric practice that we don't understand. It can't be supernatural, but there is something to this. Um, Interestingly, he turns to his peers that are the best representation on film I've ever seen of a quote-unquote boys club. (laughs) Oh my god. Yeah. Yeah, Even the girls in that... Our boys clubs. Yeah, yeah. She boys I yeah.
0: she she feeds into it, and then she gets up and leaves. Like, yeah, that's it. I don't believe anything here. You know, it, meanwhile this poor woman's getting raped night after night and can't prove what's doing this to her. And um even like with with Doctor Snyderman who was played by Ron Silver. Now I remember him as a skinny little kid in The Burning. Do you remember The Burning? We may have probably- I
1: hadn't watched it till me and Wes reviewed it for yeah. Dead Air, yes, and right. I don't remember him in it. Now I need to watch it yet again.
0: Okay, he plays Woodstock. This yeah, probably the coolest kid there, but oh, he's still God. Do we, really? Yeah, the skinny kid wearing like the I don't know. He has like the number ten on his shirt that we all had numbers. I don't know. I don't know what num- what team we were rem- or, uh, representing back in the day that we all had numbers on our shirts. But yeah, he was uh, on the raft, and you remember the raft scene. <laughs>
1: I do. And I, as soon as you said, uh, yeah, I do remember him and I, I enjoyed him the very most. And yeah. I think it was probably Team Awesome. We're all playing for, or you guys were all t- playing for Team Awesome. I wouldn't wear a shirt with a number <laughs> on it. Team it's awesome. a it's for, <laughs> sports ball and stuff.
0: Blah. Now, wait a second. Off to, now we're getting right off talk, topic here, but you're an anime fan. Don't you remember Battle of the Planets, G-Force, Gacha Man? They all yeah, wore totally. the, They wore the number T-shirts, too. <laughs>
1: They did it still just there probably is a picture of me wearing a numbered T shirt from before I could dress myself. <laughs> but yeah. Uh I am a gotcha man fan. Oh yeah. I'm
0: not a numbered T shirt jersey type fan. <laughs> yeah, you just like them when they're dressed up in their uh, bird outfits. Um, no,
1: I like them in real life too, but I, you know, as far as sports and stuff, cheerleaders, I'm all about cheerleaders.
0: There uh, we can agree. Okay. Well then uh you have to see what is it, the Majorettes by John Russo?
1: <laughs> oh yeah, uh, sure.
0: Way off topic. Uh, it's just he gets mentioned on every show, so I just had to do that. But anyway, uh, Snyderman is played by Ron Silver. He is the sort of disbelieving doctor that wanted to help her, and I couldn't figure out just how he wanted to. I think he was just smitten. What do you think? I think
1: there became a point where they're interested. Mm. Or, like, at least entertaining the idea of, like, hey, you know what? If I wasn't her doctor, where would this go? And she's like, if I wasn't being raped by a ghost, where would this go? <laughs> um, but it was just, you know, when they're at the door at this one point, they're having this conversation through the screen door. And it sort of, like, represented, like, that barrier between them, right? Right. That would always exist, especially because she's basically taken by another man. But mm. once he's out of the picture, the doctor's, you know.
0: Yeah. Yeah, (laughs) Uh, she, uh, boy, I know this, she had no luck, but she, uh, we're going back to, and I remember in the book, I mean, it starts with, and it's more clear in the book, you're not going to remember, maybe you will, that it, 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 she kind of decides that it's definitely her father's spirit doing this to her, who did molest her as a child, that he was the evil behind it all. Um, They really kind of draw that line, uh, because they get into it, she had her first husband who died in a motorcycle accident, he was abusive. Uh, the second husband, Bob Garrett, he just disappeared, but he was a good guy. <laughs> um, but the father, uh, they I mean, she makes mention of how he held her as a child and it was inappropriate. But in the book, they kind of drive it home.
1: Yeah, they make it a lot more clear. I, I guess in the film and in the fictionalized version, because they couldn't verify those sorts of facts, they had to, you know, take her word for it, of course. But they couldn't play mm-hmm. that up right. when they were playing up. The rape ghost, right? They, okay. had, they already had a villain. They didn't really need to confuse the audience with two, especially if they weren't going to draw that line between
0: mm-hmm. the
1: father as a ghost. Right, right. Not just a memory that's part of her personality.
0: And then they, well, they, what was really important, though, and the, uh, the dummies, the uh, boys club, the doctors, they said that Jerry, who was the boyfriend, him being an older man, was... Um, uh, what would you say, uh, brought back the memories of her early um, uh, molestation, and that's why she felt 30 years later fell back into it. Like he somehow struck this spark in her mind, and now that's how how they pointed the finger at Jerry, causing her to be masturbatory, I guess. I don't know. They they were further reaching than a ghost, I think.
1: I think so, too, actually. The the ghost would have been a much more convenient mm. explanation for what she was going through than to be like, oh, well, now that she's got a real man, she's breaking down. That's crazy.
0: Yeah. That not, and not fair. I mean... <laughs> That's
1: an angry-making statement, but I'm, I'm really reining it in, trying right. to not get angry about fictional statements by fictional people, but... Um, oh, it was, infuri- yeah. it was
0: infuriating, though. It really was.
1: It really was, especially because uh, this is a time, like, early 80s, where... Women were still fighting an uphill battle. They had a glass ceiling mm-hmm. more so than we do today. Um, and she was an amazingly strong character. And yes. even like her doctor had said to her at one point, um, you know, I really, I really like, uh, what's the word? Like not envy you, but, uh, I like idolise you or whatever. Uh, you're a super strong woman, you've got these kids, you're going through this horrible thing and you're keeping it together, you're a really strong, really intelligent woman. And he tells her over and over she's an intelligent woman. Yeah. And he treats her very, very well and very equally and just you know, he's you know, they're very equal. And then to have these <laughs> stuffy, smoky Ugh grumpy grumpy gruff horrible angry gentleman being all like she's masturbating and needs a real man and now she's got one she's breaking down oh
0: it's Uh. unreal unreal um we didn't even talk about the musical score yet and the uh my god that the sound is so terrifying it's like a trent reznor pounding guitar riff but in cuts real quick cuts when the hor- horribleness is happening, um, when the horror breaks free, and you hear it coming, and it's just like, it kind of s- sticks in the back of your skull. Like, it it really, they drove it home with that soundtrack.
1: Oh, my God, did they ever, and like, for days, it sticks with you. I had the same experience going to see It Follows. Have you seen It Follows? No,
0: no, that's on my list. It's on my list. Um, yeah, it stayed with you, Yeah.
1: Oh dude, yeah, and I had the pleasure of being able to go see it in theater um, nice. at a repertory theater here, The Mayfair. they showed it the I guess it was last weekend. Okay. And the score in that, as soon as like because I'd heard parts of it before and I knew that it was like the entity, but when you're seeing it and it's up loud, right, and it's doing its job as a score, oh, not cool. just music you're hearing in your in your house, um, it's the same sort of jarring anxiety ridden, scary soundtrack.
0: I had to take a sip of tea there. Um, yeah, I really it's on my list. I'm pissed I didn't get to see it. It kinda like came and went locally, so I need to like find it now, which is ridiculous. But you know, at the moment here we're gonna take a quick break and uh we're gonna be right back with Lydia Peaver. T- talking wax teeth here on Kettle Whistle Radio and stick by us.
2: Here. Okay. Let's play a game. <laughs>
0: well, then we're back. Uh, let's see. So, once again, off air, the most interesting conversations <laughs> take place. Um, we went from uh, Anne Rice fetish to bronies in a heartbeat. <laughs> Of course we did. Of course oh, we did. Of course we did. And yeah, well, I mean, this movie can bring out the the weirdness, oddness in all cultures, I guess. Um But yeah, it's just, so, I mean, we're talking about the entity here. Barbara Hershey, incredible, incredible role. I don't even know what she did after that because <laughs> she was just so good in this.
1: She did lots of stuff. I oh, know. my word. And I did know. you realize, I did not realize this until prepping for this show. And it gave me a reason to actually, uh, other than wanting to watch the entity because it's a remake sort of like watching Texas chains on massacre yes, remake. Yes. I only watched it cause it's a remake. There was no, nothing else drawing me to watch it. Now I'm starting to get some things, some reasons to watch this remake. Um, of course the original composer, yeah, uh, Bernstein, oh. he's still alive. So who knows? He might, uh, he's wow. still doing work. So he might, uh, you know, contribute to this. Um, now Barbara Hershey, she was the mom in both the insidious films.
0: Oh my god, yeah, I knew that. Yeah, okay, that's right. Yeah, yeah. so More that makes times. a lot of
1: sense yeah. there. Like maybe there's been a bug in James Wan's ear or maybe he's put a bug in her ear and who knows if yeah. they're, you know, chatting about this film or had been beforehand. I don't know if she'll be, act as a consultant or be involved in any way but it'd be really cool
0: if she was she'll probably play like uh dr cooley the older woman a female doctor there that the, the uh. parapsychologist psychologist psychiatrist is this psych- my vote is yeah. lynn
1: shay lynn shay ah. lynn shay looks yeah she was a psychiatrist uh, lynn shay actually looks like dr cooley um and lynn shay just is an amazing human being in the horror world let alone as a as an actress i liked her in insidious
0: Yes. Um,
1: yeah. <laughs> for <laughs> what, it, for I, what it was worth.
0: I have it written down here. Insidious 3 is coming out. I don't know. I mean, this looks like some good scenes there. Again, a PG 13, which just makes me leery. But, um, yeah, I don't know. I'd, I'd see it.
1: Well, what do you think? And it's the, the common problem that people have. Um, do you believe that this is going to be automatically watered down mm. because of his, his canon? I know. Or do you believe that it would go balls out, rape ghost
0: insane. Uh, I don't know. I, I you know that. Hmm. Wow. That's a really tough question to answer. Cause what you can do is what they did in the seventies, have a rated R version and have a PG version. They did that with several films. Um, then it's your choice. You know, if you want to see the balls out version, boom, it's there. He made it. If you want to take your kids to see a scary ghost movie, that's available too um where they cut the scenes. You 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 know they did that a few times. Um one of them which was uh, Saturday Night Fever, there was a rated R version and a PG version.
1: That would make a lot of sense and that would placate a lot of concerns, I suppose, if yeah. you like as a fan, I don't believe fans should actually have concerns about what filmmakers are doing and let them do whatever they want to do oh, in the as the artist.
0: Yeah, I mean, yeah, I'm not yeah, exactly. Exactly. I'm with you on that.
1: Yeah, but I do have Concerns just because of the nature of the film and the subject matter.
0: Yeah, yeah. There's a lot and the that we...
1: climate that it's being entered into.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it's not the '70s anymore either, where you, they can get away with a lot more. Um, speaking of which, uh, I was I wanted to read this from the book, real quick excerpt here. When they, it's from the police, supposed police report. So let's see here. Let me. Put my, I got got to put my glasses on here. This old man I am. Okay, so. This is, this is in the, in the very first pages of the book, March 23rd, 1977, statement made by suspect, Jorge Jerry Rodriguez, booked on first degree assault charge, taped in the presence of Officer John Flynn, and they give the code number for the actual police report here. Um, it says here, this is his, this is the part, you know, when Jerry, uh, is being interviewed real quick, um, by the doctor. That's how they show it, Dr. Uh, Snyderman, in the hospital, and he's just like, yeah, I saw it. Well, this is when the police actually interrogated him, and um it says here, yeah, look, I'm finished. We're finished. I mean, this was too much. I didn't dream it. There was something, something going on with Carletta. Something was going on in that room. I, and there's a long pause there, what do I tell you? I didn't see exactly something, but I saw what it was doing to her, and you've got to understand she was, long pause, she was in the bed, long pause. I just came from the bedroom, and I was, long pause, getting ready. You know, I was getting ready to go to bed with her. Uh, I turned around, and I saw her. First, I heard her. I heard her first, and she was, you know, moaning. She's making noises, like love noises, but scared, too. Like she's not liking what she's feeling. I don't think, and I don't turn. This is not messed up. Bag. And then I turn, and I think it's a put-on. Like a put on for me, you know, like, I'm ready for you, Papa. <laughs> he actually said that. We were very, very close. We had a good relationship always. So I turn around and I look and I see this, like something is pressing her. pressing her. Now uh, understand what I'm saying here. It's pushing her. She's not, got no clothes on and I can't, I can see her and they're being touched. And now how do I say it? It's not like her own hands, you know, and I think I'm going nuts. And that was it. Um, there, it goes on for pages, but this guy, I mean, he, that's, that was his interpretation when he was being interrogated, on um, what was happening to his girlfriend and before he left her, of course, how do you feel about that? Him leaving her? <laughs>
1: uh, of course it was a pretty shitty thing to do, but yeah. she'd also kept him in the dark. If she would have like, she should have called him from the get go when she was being very open with everybody else in her life. And this was a man that really cared about her that she apparently cared about as well. I would I, like, in, in real life, I'd wish that he pressed her earlier about mm. what was going on with her. He didn't tell her. But his reaction yeah. was just like a real letdown. You really felt let down. And I think that's the first time in the film, aside from the fact that she's being let down by life, by being raped by a ghost. Mm. Um, that's the first time that someone close to her let her down. And you, the audience really feels it because everybody's really supportive of her and you're really kind of rooting for her and trying to figure out what's going on and how she can beat this thing the same way she's feeling. But then he pulls that. Yeah. Um, The two, those two scenes with him involved are some of the most tense and um, human parts of that film when Mm. she's on the bed and going through what he describes to the police and she's saying, help me, help me over and over. It's so scary. That is like the absolute scariest moment in the film and he, at first, he's just so shocked, and he acts it very, very well mm-hmm. too, uh and tries to help and can't.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's the uh, the Glenn uh, Fry the character, same look uh, on his Jerry, face when he
1: first saw her <laughs> being groped by this unseen rapist. Um, yeah, no, that that scene is just absolutely harrowing when he's talking to the psychiatrist and the cops in the hospital and he doesn't even want to see her, doesn't even want to see her
0: right yeah it's just yeah yeah that's that's,
1: her fault it's almost like it's her fault at that point she's sullied and a dirty thing and that's just the first time you that anyone looks at her like a dirty thing and that's just
0: really fucking pathetic i think he couldn't handle it too he like he's just like i don't want any part of this thing i don't want this in my life you know it wasn't just that he just he was out in every sense of the term i guess um but yeah that that was a game changer i have a list of game changers here for the movie where just things took a twist and the first one was Billy getting thrown this is the her son when he tries to help his mother and the entity grabs him throws him and breaks his wrist and you can actually see the electronic pulses around him, which I thought was well done for the time.
1: I agree yeah it really was and I'm yet another thing that's interesting about the remake is that I want to see how that's done
2: because mm-hmm.
1: it will obviously be done better yeah. because of just the technology we have for Graphics now, mm-hmm. um, but it was done really well
0: yes. back then. Yes, oh, and that totally. scene
1: where he is thrown was the first. That this was the first scary movie I ever saw, and that was the first scary movie scene I ever saw because it's not going to my room. I was trying to watch this from around the corner, and <laughs> when that happened, I must have gasped or jumped, or my mom noticed me there and ushered me back off to bed, which didn't <laughs> work because I came out of my room about three more times during this film.
2: Oh yeah,
1: um, but that was like. A holy shit moment when i was a little kid and it's a holy shit movement moment in the film as well
0: and it's just like you know it it gets finally she's getting credibility but she doesn't want her kids to be the ones to witness it and it's just it's just horrific all around the look on her face when she's just laying there and she sees her son getting attacked that's a good actress
1: yeah she's a stellar through the whole thing from start to finish an amazing actress and it's i i can't even picture her being replaced and that's the hard thing i think with people I agree. getting cranky about the remake is that you just can't you can picture lots of stuff being updated in this film but her
0: yeah but that and i don't know are they gonna go like you said with the 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 doctor's club there the boys club the mass illusion i love that's one of my favorite excuses and stupidest things ever they're having a mass illusion <laughs> I, whoever came up with that term I, I think it it was
1: attributed um, a few times to like seeing Jesus in the clouds or Mag, Mag- Magdalene in the clouds oh, yeah, yeah. or uh, what was it? There's an ecstasy, uh, a famous ecstasy case where these three young girls dropped to their knees in ecstasy, and the whole village sees the Virgin Mary as they're seeing, and that was attributed as a mass hallucination. Uh, I think that's when it really started.
0: Well, that, okay. Well, that makes sense then. Okay. Uh, now, for me, there's a scene here. Now, this is going back to when I was a kid. Creepiest moment for me. Uh, when the, the realization, and she's explaining that the entity wasn't alone more than a few, few times, and they found teeth marks around her, and grip marks around her ankles. She's being held by two little, smaller entities, and then the claw marks are on her shoulder and on her body uh, from the giant, the bigger one. I just, just the thought of what was in that room with her, just it's horrific. You don't have to see it.
1: Yeah, just these two weird, creepy minions and this giant, horrible smelling beast yeah. man type thing yeah that is pretty pretty scary you think like this must be something straight up from hell because it's got tiny demons with it right
0: yeah yeah that's the only picture i had in my head that was it you know that takes me back to like the incubus from the 1980s as well um that's another good one from back then but yeah and just the idea of succubus and and incubus uh incubi you know it's like um it gives me chills (laughs) and this silence
1: yeah, no, cause I'm thinking, I'm thinking like, oh, okay. do I know any incubus that have minions? An incubus with minions, that's kind of a, a unique idea and it's something I'd almost want to research, um cause there's lots of demons with minions, mm-hmm. or companions, familiars and stuff, but this is like one incubus, or beyond, he's worse than an incubus, uh, with two mm-hmm. little tiny helpers?
0: Yeah, just horrific. Helper elves? Ugh. Man, Then there's, of course, the biggest slap in the face to our heroine um, when it tricked her into enjoying herself and how the anger.
1: Yeah, that was pretty sad. I can't picture that being, that's another one of those scenes where I can't picture anyone else doing it any better because Mm -hmm. you really feel for her because, yeah, she was tricked into... Being asleep and having some sort of wet dream and waking up mid orgasm, knowing that she's being assaulted yet again by this fucking rape
0: ghost. Just terrible, just terrible. She's broken because then, like it, you know, it just it just it stole everything from her at that point. Anything that was left. But then we get to the second game changer, and I'm gonna I'm gonna call this. I have four game changers. The second one I have was uh, Cindy and George witnessing the attack in their house. Where you yeah. know, the windows get blown out. So, alright, we talked about that earlier. But, um, the third one, okay, this was, this finally things start twisting her way when the parapsychologists witness and photograph the entity.
1: And beyond the film version of that, which is done really well, especially. Especially when they just, when they finally realize what she's saying has got to be at least partially true because they're witnessing the house shaking and the cold spots and the mm-hmm. horrible smell. And then later on, yeah, with the photographing of the lights, to see the real case mm-hmm. photographs, it, it's not much different than what they show in the movie. They show what they were really seeing in the film and to listen to the parapsychologist Dr. Taft talk about it in the DVD I have, it has, uh, a little documentary, uh, special feature called "The Entity Files," and they mm. talk to him about the original case, oh, wow. and they show a lot of the the photos from that time. And he even says like the effects are really close to what they were seeing. Um, and yeah, that's a game changer for sure.
0: Oh, big time! Um, the last one really, um, it, it just comes down to. Uh, Wow, uh, when the boyfriend, you know, witnessed and, and and is attacked as well, and he tells Snyderman, just the part I just read, he, he, um, just tells him, like, no, there's something there with her. And the doctors, he's like, God, everybody's saying this now. I, I, maybe I need to look into this <laughs> a little more. What am I missing? <laughs> but yeah, that's how things twisted and turned in her direction, oddly enough. Yeah.
1: Having him finally be shown, like, you have no irrefutable proof other than a witness, a real witness. And even n- near the end, in the, in the, when the parapsychologists have set up their ghost trap, um, even then the doctor, uh, Cooley, she's like,
2: mm-hmm.
1: we have a witness, we have yet another uh, witness, and somebody, a reluctant witness, at least, the, you give the boyfriend that much that he might have been reluctant to ever be with her, and he mm. was a, he wussed out, like you said, yeah. pathetic, pathetic yeah, I yeah. move on his part but he didn't say he didn't lie about what he saw he at least told the truth and supported what she was seeing
0: yeah jerry the boyfriend i, I used to refer to him as glenn glenn fry from the eagles because that's who he looked like um <laughs> totally discrediting glenn fry i guess but i don't know I, the guy is familiar the actor i just don't i couldn't place him in something else i've seen him in the guy played jerry uh just couldn't i don't know did you recognize him from anything else
1: no, I think I sort of was confusing with a few other mm-hmm. actors, but yeah, he's, he looks semi-familiar. He's got one of those faces, I guess, that or he is in lots of stuff. I don't know. <laughs> I
0: don't know either, but yeah, the entity. What can I say, folks? I totally enjoyed this movie. It's intense and it's real scares, real scares. Um, I want to switch gears a little bit, unless you got something else you must say about the entity.
1: Other than, Read the book, mm. not before or after, it doesn't matter when you read a book, read the book, read it whenever. Mm-hmm. Definitely watch the original before going to see the remake whenever it does come out. Yep. Uh, because it will inevitably be made. And who knows if this, you know, movies have a life cycle. Who knows if this will actually get off the ground with James Wan. Um, it probably will, but who knows? It could always get shelved, like it always, it has before being shelved. Um, but it will inevitably be remade because people want to remake it. Yeah. Um, definitely do what you can to see the original beforehand yeah. and even take it a step further and get interested in the actual case. Like We're all steeped in Amityville right now. Mm-hmm. Um, it's getting easier to find a lot of this information thanks to the internet. You don't have to go to the library <laughs> so much anymore. Um, but if you're really adventurous, go to the library and learn a little bit about... The original case, because it was one of those really well-documented parapsychology cases Mm -hmm. from L.A. in the 80s when it was uh, pre-Satanic Panic, yeah, I suppose, (laughs) and post-Hans Holzer Ghost Hunter. So it's in this nice spot between table tipping and Ouija boards and the ghost hunting television shows that we have today.
0: Too many of them. Um, I did field a question for you. you wanted me to ask Heather Heather Taddy, who was on paranormal state for all those years, what she thought of the was it the freezing of the ghosts in the uh, liquid helium. Was that what we
1: yeah the the fictional portion because at the one point the psychologist the parapsychologist got to as far as they could go with the case, she had resolved that she's just gonna be a uh, servant to the rape ghost mm. as best she can and have uh no as normal of a life as she can with her children and mm-hmm. just go on, so they all parted ways
2: mm-hmm.
1: but then in the fictional story, they set up this elaborate ghost trap, which is sort of like a ghost hunter's wet dream, it's a real <laughs> ghost yeah, Totally, totally. And, yeah, I really wanted her take on it and high fives and hi, Heather. But other than <laughs> yeah, well, and-
0: when asked, um, I told her, I, I said, you know, that we're talking about the Entity movie and the Entity case tonight. And um, <laughs> she, had a, she had a rough flight, we'll just say. I don't know if she'll want to tell that story. Uh, coming back from Denver, from whatever she's got going on, I know she's going to be talking about it soon. But she came back and said, oh, I don't know about that one. <laughs> I was like, uh, dude, <laughs> I'm like what? You know what? That's sign of the times, you know, because uh, I, that's what? Oh, God, that's nine years before she was born. So the movie. Anyway, yeah, well, yeah. Now
1: she has a hobby. <laughs> now she yeah, has seriously. another cool thing that she can research the hell because yeah. I know how much she likes doing yes. that you know, sleuthing and doing the actual, like, factual investigative mm-hmm. journalism. So, yeah, have
0: fun. I was disappointed, though. <laughs> but, yeah. Now well, she- I'm disappointed
1: yeah. a little, but I'm not that disappointed because I'm, like, I'm half disappointed and half stoked because it's, like, you know, I'm disappointed that she doesn't have, like, you know, because she could talk, I'm sure, forever about physical manifestations but this particular case i'm stoked that she hasn't heard about it in a way because that it's something for her to learn about
0: yeah and i think she'll get a kick out of this story well it's fun watching people discover things that you know about and you love and and this is one of those things it's going to be an, end up being a movie night at our place i think uh, this one because she likes to go back to the older ones and we've watched a lot of bad ones too but um this is a good one and i yeah highly recommend it to everyone and, uh again, switching gears, I was handed a little something-something from our friend Lydia here. Um, do you want to talk about that? <sighs> All right. Let me just say this. I read what you gave me, and I was cool. floored because the direction you took was – I love how the fami- – Famili- familiar things, places, people, and names came slowly back, but the incident that you write about is so um, horrifically more monstrous than what the original Nightface... I mean, yeah, they, they were badass vampires, but they were different. This, you really... You went, like, elemental. <laughs> and I, I loved it.
1: I like that choice of word, elemental. That's, yeah... Um... The rest of the book goes back into where we left off in the story. Um, But I really wanted to open, and a lot of times when I sit down to write, even the first night face, if I, you know, I don't really get writer's block, but it's it's a matter of whether I can or want to write. Mm -hmm. Um, If I wanted to sit down and write something else to warm up, I would write some Cynthia stuff because Cynthia was the closest character for me and i really enjoyed writing from her perspective there's a lot of stuff that was cut out that was from cynthia's perspective and i've written a lot of stuff even in night face 2 that isn't going to make it because it's just it's like warm-up stuff it's like yeah warm-up exercise is okay. with writing cynthia's point of view so i had written all like all of that and it's going to stay cuz it's a really cool intro i think yeah. and it, and it brings you back home I, yeah. I let uh chris from bind torture cast read it as well um and he 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 had the same sort of sentiment as you like that's kind of a shocking way to start it but yeah it brings you right home and it reminds you of exactly where these things are coming from right yeah
0: um, oh, I loved it. it so, was, yeah, I'm glad I'm glad you guys enjoyed it. It was uh, very, uh, it, you had your own opening scene to Jaws, basically. Like just how it, but you just, you know, <laughs> the date gone wrong. <laughs> and just the sh- shocking, horrific death that you just didn't see coming, really. I mean, Jaws, you do, but not, not in this one, you don't. <laughs> that was a good, good, um, God, six pages, right? And that's what it was so far.
1: Yeah, and I, th- I think that um, I like Cynthia. Other people like Cynthia. People in the book seem to like Cynthia mm-hmm. as fictional characters. So I think that some people are going to open up Night Face 2 being like, oh, I kind of hope Cynthia is here somewhere. <laughs>
0: yeah. And she is. Oh, yeah, she really is. Oh, man. Well, what else you got going on? Do you have stuff you want to get people uh, to see? Do you want to plug anything? Uh, you Give us your Twitter. You should always do that.
1: Yeah, um, typical Lydia at typical Lydia pretty much everywhere on the internet. Uh except Steam. Someone pointed that out. <laughs> when I say wherever you are online, I'm not on Steam. <laughs> um Yeah, check out splatterpictures.net. You can listen to me on Dead Air yes. uh, a little more regularly than here. I'll be here every month. Yeah, once and a month, my five. horror anime micro podcast, uh Dead Cells, all that's available on iTunes, Stitcher, Facebook, everywhere um check out uh, i've revamped my website yet again i gotta put a bunch of old stuff back in like the uh uh, i'd had i commissioned an artist Mm -hmm. uh, luke mantha to do some artwork for nightface one and all that's down because my website's crashed a couple times but i'm gonna put some stuff back up on nightface.ca and you can i post whatever i'm doing really there and if you're in the Ottawa area, I'll be at the Small Press Book Fair on the 13th of June with some copies of Prayed Light Eve*. Nice. And maybe one copy. <clears throat> pardon me. Maybe one copy of *Nightface* because there's um, every time I go to a convention or whatever and don't have *Nightface* with me or I sell out, <laughs> there's always someone that comes and is like. Not only are they excited to get it or they've sent like their daughter to come pick it up for them because they don't do conventions and they're older and I'm out and I feel so rotten. (laughs) So I'm not going to have any night face, but I'm going to have some secret night face for people who come specifically for it.
0: Nice. That's a lot. Cool. you got a lot of stuff going on. That's fantastic. Um, Yeah, I've learned that way, too. It's uh, the one thing that you don't have is what they're looking for. So I try to keep everything in stock that I can. And it's starting to build. I've got got a few things going on here. Um, And that comic book is coming out pretty soon. Uh, We had some uh, art difficulties this week, but uh, that's being rectified as I speak. But, yeah, Demon Eye, the comic book, is coming out. Hopefully this summer it should be out. It looks Fantastic. Uh, Gary Vinson is, uh, he commandeered this artist for me and she is amazing. But, um, yeah, that's, that's a big one right now. Um, I, I hope to have it with me when I go to Indianapolis for the, uh, the, uh, the Days of the Dead convention, which was a fantastic one last year. I can't wait to go back there, but I'll be there with my books with Fairly, uh, well, yeah, well, you can have Fairly Dark Productions. I'll bring that with me. That's my uh, website, FairlyDarkProductions.com. You can get them both right now. Fairly, um, let's see here. The Fall of Tomorrow... And Dwelling in the Dark. If you like short stories, Dwelling in the Dark is available now at FairlyDarkProductions.com. I haven't started
1: Dwelling in the Dark yet, and I'm excited. Well,
0: I'm excited that you you have it.
1: (laughs) Yeah, no, totally. And I am excited for this comic book. You know, on the last episode, Jack was talking about the Horror Writers Association.
0: mm -hmm.
1: Have you bounced that idea around any more in the last week?
0: Um, actually another writer, uh, Duncan Ralston, who's, I call him the Duke of Ralston. He's, he's a cool guy. He, um, he has a book. Oh yeah. Did you heard about Gristle and Bone in that episode? It's yeah. not, it sounds like it's right up your alley. I mean, totally. Uh,
1: I'd been aware of Gristle and Bone for, for a while too. You know. It's a uh, Toronto connection, right? They're not that far. Yeah.
0: Um, well he, um, uh, D- Duncan was telling me that he, he was like, did you join it? I'm like, no, I I don't really get it. And he's like, well, we should join it together then. <laughs> You both
1: should. No, you really both should. And if you guys have any questions, Safra Jerome is in Toronto, and I'm sure Duncan is is aware of her and probably has met up with her. They have a pub in Toronto um, once a month, I believe, so they can. He can. He has far more accessibility than I do to these amazing people, and a lot of other horror authors do converge there every month for the Horror Writers Pub, and it's usually open to. Other writers as well that aren't members, okay. so it's a good information session and and a good place to go hang out and have a drink if that's what you're wow. into, of course. And um, I do I volunteer. I like I'm a member. I'm an affiliate member, even though I can probably I'm definitely eligible for full membership. I'm just lazy. <laughs> um, <laughs> I do the I help with uh, Dr. Alex Scully. We both like co volunteer to keep the author's new releases page up to date. So every so often I'll post like eye candy of like eight or so covers of the new horror writers association members, new releases. And I just spam like my Instagram and Facebook and Twitter with it. Um, That's why, because I'm volunteering to do that, to keep that up so that authors have a a space on the horror.org website with their new books every wow. single month. Well, so yeah, that's it's, fantastic. if you have any questions, like harass the hell out of me, whenever you like about Horror Writers Association, and I'll send you off to people that have actual answers.
0: Okay. <laughs> Little did I know it was right in my own backyard. Okay. I appreciate Bam. it. That's awesome. Jeez. Uh, I, the only other thing I want to touch on, and it's coming out soon, is Fear of the Dead, the Walking Dead uh, spinoff series starting this summer. Are you aware of that one?
1: Very aware. Not a fan. I haven't okay. really watched much uh, Walking Dead.
0: Okay. I, I like Walking Dead. I don't know how this this is going to spin off yet. I have no clue. I am going to watch it, but uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I think I may see Insidious Chapter 3 first before I start watching that. I don't know. We'll see. And it follows. You said that's good, so.
1: Yeah, I definitely see it follows. I wish this Walking Dead, I used to, like when Walking Dead started, I'd read the uh, comics right back mm-hmm. in the day. Yeah, a couple um, of them. But with the series, after, like, the first, like, season and a half, I was like, you know what, I'd rather they just follow the zombie horde and screw these people because I'm bored of them, and I want it to follow, I want the camera to follow the zombie horde and meet different people, (laughs) and, you know... Like stick with them for a bit until the horde moves on because there's these roving, migrating hordes of zombies just like follow them. It's way more interesting. So I wish that that would be a show.
0: That's not a bad idea for just at least a couple episodes. That's that would be a good little arc. If you yeah,
1: producers take my idea, please. I can't (laughs) use it.
0: Well, as always, folks, I am at fairly dark on Twitter. Hit me up. Lately, a lot of you have. I appreciate that. Um, and, uh, hope to see you guys in Indianapolis at, uh, days of the dead, at the days of the dead convention. I wish you can go too. I guess that's a little out of the ways for you.
1: Everywhere outside my house is out of the way for
0: me. <laughs> I knew you were going to say that. Well, this was fun we're going to have to pick a new one soon. Um, we shall see. Uh, you think about it. I know I can come up with something.
1: Yeah, it was my pick this time. So maybe, um... How about have a, at it.
0: Attack of the Mushroom People?
1: <laughs> okay, maybe I will pick them up.
0: <laughs> All right. Now, give me time. <laughs> that was just my first swing. Come on. All right. Well, thanks again, Miss Lydia, for coming on. We love hearing your voice in these, here airwaves. And that's Wax Teeth, folks. You can say goodnight. I can say
1: goodnight? Yeah.
0: Goodnight.
2: You see that hit on guys ready to get? Did you eat all those mushrooms? Mush, mush? Sit back and enjoy the show, cause tonight I present a tale of mysteries and wonders, things that may just blow your mind. Ready for this adventure? The climax prevails. here and lose. When I wonder, what do you see? taking all the thoughts i want out why could not
0: ready to record our promo for season two of the wannabet podcast David have you ever seen a grown man naked miles we're not here to quote lines from airplane we're here to tell people that season 2 starts August 18th.